0: If there are things that we want, there are ways of going about getting them within reason and within certain boundaries. But it starts, I believe, with being satisfied with what you have. I love how one of the sources I skimmed for this episode has taken the LOA acronym and remonikered it, Lust, Obsession, and Attachment. <laughs> because if those concepts don't nicely encapsulate what this thing is, I don't know which ones would be better. But right there, to me, is reason number one why the law of attraction is dangerous. It seriously fucks with your emotions. In fact, it holds any emotion that stands in the way of manifesting what you want hostage. You're not allowed to be sad, angry, scared, lonely, or generally unhappy because these things block the signal you send to the universe about what you want and what you need. So it has to be positive, 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 all the time. Welcome to Unbound, a podcast for new atheists And Lifetime Atheists, Ex-Evangelicals,
1: Truth Seekers, and Free Thinkers.
0: There is life after faith,
1: and life here is good. It's time for a new perspective,
0: and a better conversation. I'm Spider,
1: and I'm Shell, and it's time to get Unbound.
0: You know, I have to wonder how many people have gone broke, Mm -hmm. lost their homes, lost their jobs, or just quit their jobs on a whim or even lost their lives. Because somewhere down the line, they got it into their heads that all they need to do is think about having more cool stuff, Mm. a paid off house, and all the money they need without ever having to work for it. Mm. I wonder how many people have died of things that didn't have to kill them Mm. because they were too busy confessing that they were in perfect health and didn't do anything about it. Because that's what the law of attraction teaches. And this concept carries with it levels of toxicity that make many things in evangelicalism look good by comparison. I'm Spider. And I'm Shell. And tonight, we will be taking a closer look at the law of attraction and why this is a particularly dangerous thing for ex-evangelicals. A lot of us were taught to think this way, even by pastors, spiritual leaders, and pew sitters who already decried prosperity doctrine. Why does this thinking slip under the radar and ruin so many lives? We'll get to that later. But first, when your grift is losing momentum, but you need cash now, (laughs) what do you do?
1: You have a fundraiser.
0: Well, I was going to say, you don't call J.G. Wentworth. You Eh? hold a telethon
1: telethon. and
0: sell 100% pillow-free pillows and brag about your planes while you hit people up for more cash.
1: It seems to be fundraising time with all of the grifters right now. It is.
0: And it's weird. I'm dubbing this week's Christians Behaving Badly as Christians Behaving Badly for Days on End.
1: Yes. Well, first up, it's a grifter collab. To do what? Raise money, of course. For whom? Themselves. Of
0: course, for themselves. Of
1: course. Jim Baker hosted some sort of telethon to combat. Cancel culture? Whatever. The point is that it's going to be Jim Baker and Mike Lindell. It's two, two, two griffs in one.
0: Two bad things that go worse together.
1: <laughs> if you know either of these references, you're probably about my age. Yeah. <laughs> Baker and Lindell were together on this telethon that was called Take Back What the Devil Stole From You. It was like an hour-long show for three days. So it wasn't really an a-thon. It was just
0: So they weren't, three they days. weren't on the air constantly. No. This was just, this was like a three-day video series.
1: Right. It was okay. a three-hour video series.
0: Okay. So three whole hours out of three their day. Three
1: whole hours. So much effort. Mm-hmm. Most of what Mike Lindell did during his three-day a-thon was sell his products, including a set of children's Bible pillows that features illustrations of Bible stories.
0: Oh, how cute.
1: Now, the news stories call them children's Bible pillows, but if you see a screenshot of the broadcast where they're advertising them on the screen, if you read the small print, it says children's Bible pillow cases.
0: Yeah, there's a difference there.
1: For $100.
0: A hundred fucking dollars.
1: Just five pillowcases with crappy cartoon art.
0: Now, was it $100 each or for a pack of it five? It was a,
1: for a pack of five.
0: Okay, so even $20 for a pillowcase is a little bit extreme. It's
1: a little much. Jim Baker and Mike Lindell talked together about how evil cancel culture is. How the devil is stealing America. Jim Baker encouraged Mike Lindell to talk about his conspiracy theories about election fraud.
0: Oh, here we go again.
1: And here's a sample. Now, now you see,
0: he could have made a telethon out of this. Yes, he could have. With all the shit that he's had to say to movies so far that he's (laughs) produced. Yeah. So he could go on for quite a while about just that. I'm amazed it didn't turn into an actual telethon.
1: I know, right? Here's a sample of their conversation. Mike is going to be with us for three days, Baker announced. It's a very unusual event to have a telethon.
0: Except the- that you didn't. <laughs> this, this does not meet the definition of oh, a telethon no. in any way, shape, or form.
1: Nope. The televangelist complained that the enemy had seized his bank accounts. He said that he needed the public to buy Lindell's Bible-themed pillows just to stay alive.
0: Oh, I'm sure.
1: That's the cancel culture, Lindell agreed, pointing out that most major retailers have stopped selling his pillows.
0: Yeah, that's because of cancel culture. It's not because you're a Trump-loving nutter that they don't want to be associated with. It has Mm. nothing to do with that.
1: No. The broadcast was sprinkled with conspiracy theories disputing 45's loss in the 2020 election. We're going to take back what was stole from us, Baker exclaimed at one point. Well, they stole our country, Lindell asserted, and they stole it at lower levels, at micro-levels, and macro-levels. They stole it at all places. Truly fascinating conversation.
0: It sounds like it. Mm. Not.
1: (laughs) Since both of these people are having legal troubles, Baker for selling colloidal silver solution that can turn your skin blue, and Lindell by Dominion voting machines, maybe the telethon was for their legal defense fund. Someone's going to pay for that stuff and it's not going to be them. Of
0: course not. Of course not. They're used to other people paying their way through life, you know, since <laughs> they became public figures. Oh, yeah. It's been that way. Yeah. So, of course, that's going to be their solution. And here's the really scary part people will step up.
1: I know. It's terrifying. If they
0: literally needed a legal defense fund. There's an insane number of people who would step up.
1: Oh, I know. It's crazy.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, I love... And time this person shows up on the show, it's always so much fun.
1: It is, isn't it?
0: Let's hear the next story.
1: ah <laughs> uh-huh, yes. Time for Kenneth Copeland's Victory-Thon. This seems to be a theme today. I wonder if autumn is the time when all grifters start begging for money.
0: A fun... It's a good time. It is. It's a good time. Because, you know, a lot of churches scale back the stuff that they do over the summer. Yeah. Because people are away... And they don't get good attendance for certain things. I knew a lot of churches that stopped having youth group over the yeah. summer because of stuff like this, for reasons like this. And yeah, fall actually is the time, not just for these guys, mm. but for churches in general, they need to start making up a little bit of what they lost over the summer. Yeah, true. So yes, this is precisely the time that they're going to start doing shit like this.
1: Well, this is a fundraiser for Copeland's ministry. Of course, what better time to bring up the fact that both Kenneth Copeland and his buddy, Jesse Duplantis, both have jets. Usually these sorts just explain they need them for their ministry, even though they actually use them for private flights, unless they really need to go to Hawaii to minister to the beachgoers.
0: Or 143 trips to Colorado to go skiing. Yes, Mm -hmm.
1: yes. Duplantis bragged about being a multimillionaire at the same time he was chiding people for not giving enough. And this is a quote from him. I honestly believe this, that the reason why Jesus hasn't come is because people are not giving the way God told them to give. You see what I'm saying? I mean, when you understand, you can speed up the time.
0: So we've got Oral Roberts saying that God could hold him hostage if he didn't raise eight million dollars. And now we've got this guy saying that we can hold Jesus hostage and keep him from coming back because we're not giving to his ministry. Yeah. That is the pinnacle of arrogance, right there. Yeah, it is pretty bad. I I don't even know if there is a word, an adjective, that adequately describes the level of just gall. I know. That gives birth to a statement like that.
1: Really? Well, at least he says that after the rapture, anyone can have his jet. What a nice
0: guy. What
1: a nice boy.
0: Talk about philanthropy.
1: (laughs) Oh, God. And Kenneth Copeland has his own reasons beside the tube full of demons defense he made a few years ago. You get into this situation, we're not going to let you fly unless you're vaccinated. Well, to me, that's the mark of the beast, not the vaccination. I'm not taking the vaccination, but you can do what you want to do.
0: Dot dot dot. So, did he backpedal no. on on his stand, like from one sentence to the next? Per- to me, that's the mark of the beast, not not the vaccination. Yeah. Uh, but that's you know in the the double talk wouldn't yeah. be a surprising thing to me. And honestly, it just seems like the type of thing that he would say. I mean, the whole thing with the tube full of demons, you saw how quickly he backpedaled on that. I wasn't talking about the people on the plane. Oh, yeah, you were. Of course you were. were. Um, Well, I'm not getting the vaccine. That's the mark of the beast. Oh, but you know what? If you already got it, that's okay. It's not the vaccination itself. No. It's he has to backpedal because now he's going Mm -hmm. to offend anyone who was smart enough to get the vaccine. Of course. Interesting that there are people out there smart enough to get the vaccine But still stupid enough to send this idiot and people like him money. Yeah.
1: So the vaccine isn't the mark of the beast, but the mandate is.
0: Oh, so that's it. I think that's
1: what he's saying.
0: That's it. Okay.
1: Well, that's why Copeland needs your money. He's got to pay for that jet. And this from the guy who has supposedly defeated COVID twice. And that
0: doesn't mean he got it and got better. No. He claimed victory over it at least twice. At
1: least twice. And I think he tried a third time, but I don't know. I know of twice for sure. He spit on it once. Yeah. And then he declared victory over it again.
0: Didn't he do, wasn't he the one that was like blowing at the camera and telling people that he was healing them with their COVID by breathing on them? Yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, God, that was so creepy. Just
0: savor the irony of someone telling you that they're going to cure you of a respiratory ailment by breathing on you. Yeah, really. And not being vaccinated and not well, at that point I don't think the vaccines were a thing when he when he pulled that one. But just the fact that, you know, you could spread it. You could very, very easily spread this shit. But but because it's Kenneth Copeland, if he breathes on you, you're gonna be just fine. Yeah. As long as you send him some money. Yeah, you gotta make sure make sure you tip the grifter. You know, you got you to gotta make sure that you show adequate gratitude for this healing that he just bestowed upon you. So, yeah, the, none of this surprises me. But the funny part is that it really dips a toe into what we're going to be talking about next. Yeah. Before we get into our main topic, just want to let you know that our Patreon is active at Patreon.com/slash Unbound Podcast Network. a month is where it starts. That's just over a buck an episode. If you can help us out with a little bit of financial support, we would be very grateful for the help. And if you don't have the means to send us money, that's fine too. Support us with your likes, your shares, your five-star ratings, your reviews, all of the things that help podcasts grow. We need that every bit as much as we need your dollars, but we need your dollars too. So if you can help us out in that way, fantastic. Otherwise, please just do what we say every week introduce this show to someone new this week cuz that could be their first step toward getting and staying unbound you have no idea what just something as simple as that words that you know will resonate with somebody what those things can do to change the course of their lives and that's why we're here i just want to help a few people get their lives back along the way because i know firsthand what this religion does to people and i think that it's done it to people enough and i think that Someone has to stand up and just be the voice of reason and the one who exposes the man behind the curtain. <laughs> that, I think, is what our purpose is here to just expose what they do, explain it in real world terms, and let people decide whether or not this is something they still want to be part of or confirm for them that they were right in getting out. These are important things, and you can help us with that with your financial support. And with the other things that I mentioned, just share some content, talk about us, let other people know that we're out here and what we're doing, and you'll be helping us and you'll be helping them tremendously. And just one more quick note, you know, October is like our favorite time around mm-hmm. here. There's just something about October and the ability to just be a little bit out there, deal with some more of the darker and creepier stuff that's, going, that's out there I don't know if I really want to say creepy because this is going to be more of like a fun educational and, and conversational time about things that I know most evangelicals have a really, really skewed idea of. Right. So if you're just coming out of this, maybe you'll find some of the stuff we're going to be talking about next month interesting. Incidentally, October this year has Five Sundays, mm-hmm. so that meant that I had to come up with five spooky topics for October. Yeah. So we're starting out on October third, talking about the underworld in mythology, mm-hmm. and just looking at this from you know from the standpoint of an interested observer, um, not pointing fingers at evangelicals for this or that or whatever. As a matter of fact, we're kind of going to put the evangelicals at the kids' table where they belong for this <laughs> coming month and just talk like adults who are on our way out of this, who have made our way out and want to understand the things that they told us to fear a little bit better. So it starts off with that. We're going to talk about the underworld and how different cultures look at that. Mm -hmm. Um, The underworld and hell, not necessarily the same thing, but in a lot of of traditions, they are pretty much the same thing, just not the awful thing that Christianity makes it out to be. On October 10th, We're going to have a little discussion about what Satanism actually is. And I know that there are a lot of evangelicals out there that have no clue what this really is. They think about ritual sacrifices and sacrificing babies. (laughs) You know, some things that you've heard might have a little bit of a basis. In fact, most of it doesn't. So if you've never actually educated yourself about what Satanism is, well, you're going to get a little bit of a primer on October 10th. October 17th, we're going to be talking about the occult, because a lot of evangelicals look at Satanism and the occult like they are the same thing, and they are so not the same thing. So we're going to explain what that is and have a conversation about that. October 24th, demons. Let's talk about demons, but not from the standpoint of demon possession. Let's talk about what comes out of the imaginations of people what their minds concoct about these things. We'll be talking a little bit about Dante. We'll be talking a lot about Catholic folklore because a lot of demonology comes Mm -hmm. from Catholic folklore. And we're going to, again, just have a fun conversation and get to the point where we understand this stuff just a little bit better because understanding is what we need, not to be told what to believe about certain things. So we all know what we were taught to believe about demons and the occult and Satanism and all of that but what's the truth? That's what we broker in here on this show is the truth. So we're going to take an honest look at these things. And then the last Sunday in October is actually Halloween. And we're going to start something a little bit new with this show that I hope continues past this particular episode. It all depends on how well this goes, but I've had this idea in my head for a while to look at certain movies, and not in a god-awful movie sort of way, not lampooning bad Christian movies, but movies that have various theistic themes, regardless of of how they frame it. And some of them will be fun, and some of them will be a little bit more serious. I'm thinking about movies like Leap of Faith, and I'm thinking about Saved, definitely doing Saved, but I'm also thinking in terms of movies like Jesus Camp and The Apostle. And movies that are a little bit darker, The Mission, possibly, oh, yeah. talking about that one. But for Halloween, I thought it would be fun if we did a review and discussion on the movie The Witch. Yes. And if you've never seen this movie, you should watch it beforehand. It's really good Halloween entertainment. Um, you gotta watch it from the standpoint of someone who lived around the time of the uh, Salem witch trials not someone who's living in 2021. You see, that was the mistake that I made when I first watched that movie. Was I didn't watch it from the right perspective and I didn't like it very much. And then when I went back and watched it again and saw really what was going on and the message they were trying to deliver, I saw it with an entirely new set of eyes. And we're gonna get into that and just talk about this movie scene by scene and what's going on and how it fits really, really well with the mindset of the satanic hysteria in Salem in 1692. So that's October. As for now, I think it's time to delve into our means, Avic, and talk a little bit more about the law of attraction and why you should steer clear of this kind of thinking. So let's get right into it. So the law of attraction is the belief that you create your own life with the thoughts you think and the emotions you feel. If you project positivity out into the universe, good things will happen to you. If you project negativity, bad things will happen to you. Proponents of the law of attraction believe that we are all under complete control of our lives. The things we have, the people in our lives, the amount of money we have, our health, all of it is under our control, 24-7, 365. If we're struggling financially, it's our fault. If we're sick, it's our fault. If we can't find a suitable partner, again, our fault, that being the case, we need to start manifesting better. Of course, there's absolutely no truth to any of that. And do I even need to mention here that there's no science behind this? Um, They like to pull out the term quantum physics quite a bit in defense of what they think about this, but it is a very quantum physics-free way of thinking about anything. You know, just because they try and spotlight what is in fact an actual branch of science, it doesn't mean that it has anything to do with it. And law of attraction has zero to do with quantum physics. But they piggyback on some of the ideas of quantum physics by telling us that everything is energy, that we give off vibrations and blah, blah, blah. It's not entirely untrue because when you break everything in the universe down, it breaks down into atoms and atoms are a form of energy. So to that extent it's true. But when you start applying all kinds of spiritual mumbo jumbo and all this kind of woo-rific thinking that goes along with things like the law of attraction, the science kind of gets lost, but you know, it's good to have it in there as a little bit of a placeholder because in their minds it gives what they have to say validation because they rightly assume that a lot of people just aren't going to check the facts on this. They're just going to believe, and they're going to start putting this shit into action. Now, one of the things that always bothered me a little bit about this was the whole notion of like attracts like. (laughs) Now, in the universe that I live, opposites attract, and that's not just in terms of relationships or anything like that. It's true in terms of things like magnets, okay? So a positive charge is not going to attract another positive charge. A negative charge is going to attract a positive charge and vice versa. So the universe kind of works in reverse order to the way that they would like you to think it does. I think that what they mean when they say like attracts like is that when you think positive thoughts and send out positive thoughts to the universe, then the universe is going to then respond with bringing positive things into your life. But that is not indicative of a like attracts like kind of model for anything. It's just a catchphrase that you can keep in the back of your mind to remind you that you always have to think positively. You can't think, I don't want to be sick because apparently the universe is too stupid to understand negatives. Yeah. So if you say, I don't want to be sick, the universe here is I want to be sick. No, you have to confess I'm well, I'm in perfect health. And there you can't even say there's nothing wrong with me because that's a negative. Right. I am in perfect health. I am as, as strong and as healthy as I have ever been. And I'm going to stay strong and healthy. You see, this is the way that you have to think. And I never learned how to do that all that well. Yeah. The negative stuff always creeped in because it was just logical to think that way. Right. Well, just like a lot of things that you experience in evangelicalism, logic really doesn't have a place with this. Yeah. So trying to think logically and being told to actually stop thinking logically is yeah. most of the foundation of this. It's like, don't apply logic to this. There's no logic to it. It's just you manifesting the things that you want. And yes, you can, as long as you follow this formula, as long as you adhere to the secret. That's one of the more popular iterations of this, is the secret. But it was also a huge thing in Wicca. Now, I talk all the time about how Wicca is basically an innocuous religion. But when you get in with a group of people that believe this stuff, the toxicity rises to the surface very, very quickly. And we were in a group of people that believed this stuff wholeheartedly. And you know, for me, it was exciting because it was a springboard off of things that I had learned to believe as an evangelical. And the book, The Secret, I believe came out around 2006. I think that was the year. So I had a good five years of exposure to this before I ever set foot in a Wiccan circle. So... The thinking was already in there, and right. it was easy for me to transition out of evangelical thinking about this into thinking about it this way because this way was a lot more secular. Even though they do try to uh, to force a little bit of a theistic angle, it's secular theism, and I'll get into that a little bit later yeah. with what they actually say about this. But for me, it was an easy transition from that to this because all of a sudden I'm not dependent on God. Right. I'm dependent on me and learning how to do this right and start manifesting the things that I wanted. So for me, it was a huge draw. When you start thinking the way that they want you to think, you start thinking in past tense about things that haven't happened yet. And that's really, really dangerous. We've already achieved our dreams. We already have all the money that we want. We have the good health that we desire. At this point, we just need our thoughts to catch up with those achievements. That's what they'll tell (laughs) you. And need I even say that you won't find any scientific study that conclusively proves the existence of the law of attraction? Why? Because it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Now, there is, however, some research to support positive thinking and visualization. And I'll get into this in a little bit more depth later on. But a 2005 review found that people with positive effect were more likely to enjoy increased levels of happiness and success. And that just goes back to the concept of perception is everything. Right. So it is possible to be able to see the silver linings and work within the problems a little bit better if you aren't always all woe is me over the things that you're going through. That's true enough, but just thinking those positive thoughts alone is not gonna get you there. And that's what, I was gonna say, that's what is implied here. No, it's not implied. It's flat out taught. It is specifically taught that your thoughts can govern this stuff and determine how your life pans out. It really is nothing more beyond thought, concentrated thought that you basically will into reality. It's very, very, very woo-rific. Yes. But at the time, it sounded good. And at the time, I believed that I had gotten somewhat good at this. It didn't work for me all the time, but it, quote unquote, worked a few times in particular that made me... that. Let's just say I was a little taken aback at certain things that happened. Now I understand that it was more a combination of action and coincidence. Right. But back then, this was it. This was the zero-sum game of law of attraction. And I was actually making these things happen. Mm -hmm. So a 2010 review found that visualizing your desires increased the likelihood of them becoming a reality. Well, there's a reason for this. Because as soon as you start visualizing the things that you want if your rational mind is in there anywhere it starts making plans of how it's going to get these things whether you're doing this consciously or unconsciously once you start visualizing things you start if, if if these things mean something to you if they actually mean something to you you start doing things to bring these things into your life you're not just sitting there thinking about it and waiting for them to come to you even though you'll probably swear up and down that that's what you did if you step back from those situations and this works for ex evangelicals too because we were taught to think like this. Yeah. In a lot of ways we were taught to think like this. So think back to a time where you believed that you manifested something by simply asking God hard enough. You know, mm-hmm. the parable of the persistent widow, okay? Right. You persevered in your prayer, you were very very committed to making this thing happen and then all of a sudden one day it happened. Well, what else was happening in your life, in your day? What kind of things were you doing to quote unquote manifest this stuff because you were doing something? So if you think back to that time in your life, I think that you'll agree that, yeah, you actually did stuff. You didn't just sit there and wait for it. You actually did stuff to make these things happen. And sometimes maybe a few smaller things did happen that you couldn't really explain. Another thing that some Wiccan traditions teach—that's a little bit toxic—is that there are no coincidences. Right. Well, there clearly are coincidences in life, and we see them all the time. When I was trying to attract money, it didn't always—it didn't work out like ninety percent of the time. But the couple of times when it perceptibly did, that was enough to make me a believer. Right, and it also put me in a position where I would chastise myself for not being focused enough to make it work more often. Mm. So again, we're going to get into the toxic thinking aspect of this in just a little bit. But despite the fact that there is no science behind this, many people around the world believe that the law of attraction is a thing and that they are using it in their daily lives. Here are a few of the stupid things I thought I'd done employing the law of attraction. I found items around the house that were lost. I was able to manifest good parking spaces, especially yes. that one. I remember one time we went to Salem yeah. and we drove right down to Pickering Wharf yeah. and um, and it was dinner time. We shouldn't have been able to find a parking space at that point, but we drove right onto the wharf and there was a parking space right out know. right out in front of the restaurant we were going to, there's a parking space. And I remember you looking at me and grinning and saying, I used my trigger. You see, in Wiccan terms, we had what was called a magical trigger. But the other half of that was sending these thoughts out and visualizing the thing that you want. Well, we wanted a parking space and we didn't want to have to walk a mile for our dinner. So you visualized... Us getting that parking space used your quote-unquote magical trigger, and lo and behold, there was a parking space.
1: Yeah, it's amazing.
0: Coincidence. Mm -hmm. That's what it was. We were in the right place at the right time, and that was it. But I believed that I manifested good parking spaces more than once. And the odd thing is, that's one of the major points in at least the movie version of The Secret. More than one of them talked about their ability to manifest parking spaces. You know, I think about a parking space in the parking garage that I'm going to, and I visualize this empty space. And then when I get there, that space is empty. It's coincidental. And if you're going to be honest, it probably isn't the exact space that you were thinking of, just a space in the general vicinity. And I think one of them even made that little bit of a disclaimer that it wasn't the exact space, but it was right there. It's still nothing but a coincidence. I believed that I was able to attract jobs and attract money because there were, even before I knew what the law of attraction was, I'll go right on record stating that if there was something that I wanted in terms of like a job, I was pretty good at making these things happen. You know, I wanted a job at a specific store and it was at a time when hiring wasn't really at its peak. But I knew one of the managers at that store and managed to land a job there just because I had gone in so many times as a customer, and this guy knew me and simply asked if I needed a job. And yeah. it just so happened that it was at a store that I thought would be cool to work at. Yeah. So of course, this was like mid-late-ish 90s, yeah. and you know we, we were struggling. We oh, were yeah. definitely struggling. So to have this just fall in my lap, when I thought about it later on, it's like, dude, you've been doing this for years. You got this job. You got that first IT job. And one of the people at the school that I was going to remember that IT training school yeah. that I went to in New York, one of the people who worked there even made a comment to me at one point, you seem to have a knack for getting what you want. So hmm. all of these thoughts you know they just percolated yeah. and came back up to the surface when I started learning about this and it's like I've been doing this all along imagine what I'm going to be able to do doing it on purpose <laughs> well you know spoiler alert I didn't do that much better when yeah. I was doing it on purpose and had all kinds of excuses for when it didn't work my vision board is still crammed into a corner in our home office Mostly because I haven't found another use for the cork board yet, but I manifested exactly nothing on it, Yeah. except maybe a kayak, but it wasn't that kayak. No. It wasn't as nice as that kayak. I think that's the only thing on that board that ever actually made its way into my life. And that made its way into my life because I was willing to buy one used, go pick it up and pay for it. Not yeah. because I visualized it. Mm. I just went to this person's house Handed her 150 bucks and, walk- and drove away with a kayak. That's, yeah. That was that. Now, with all of that foundation firmly in mind, I want to steer into a conversation about the dangers of the law of attraction. I love how one of the sources I skimmed for this episode has taken the LOA acronym and remonikered it, lust, obsession, and attachment. <laughs> because if those concepts don't nicely encapsulate what this thing is, I don't know which ones would be better. Let's be clear you cannot, cannot manifest anything by thinking happy thoughts. We aren't living in Peter Pan's universe, I'm sorry to say. And that is why getting too immersed in thinking the way you have to in order to make the law of attraction, quote unquote, work is toxic to say the least. And I have a couple of small quotes here from an article from healthline.com. This one, actually, there are two here from her, Emmy Hawley, I believe that's the way she would pronounce her name. She's a spiritual wellness coach, but we won't hold that against her. There's some very woo-rific stuff that she has to say, but there's also some good stuff in here. And around here, we are very consume the meat and discard the bones. So here's the meat of what she had to say about this. Quote, there's a massive culture of toxic positivity that has arisen as a result of the law of attraction trend. People have simplified the method to just forcing a positive mindset in any and all situations in order to manifest. This brand of toxic positivity can have serious consequences. And here are just a few. Financial hardship, bankruptcy, even homelessness. Worsening health or even death. Dissatisfaction with relationships or an inability to be happy or content in your relationship or as a single person. Um, Staying in toxic relationships while attempting to manifest changes in one's partner. That's one of the more toxic parts in the movie, The Secret. I remember that part where I think it was a girl who was in a very toxic relationship with this guy and she was taught how to use the law of attraction. And she just started uh, visualizing a life where they're really in love, where he's good to her and kind to her. And not at all abusive. And then, just like magic, he turned over a new leaf and became super husband. (laughs) Um, You know, there's some more of that lovely anecdotal evidence that you never actually get to see. Yeah. But um, that was one of the examples that they used in that movie of how this works and how you can use it. There's only one way to make your situation better if you're in a toxic relationship, and that is to get out of it. Yeah. That's it. You cannot visualize someone changing who is not going to change. So please keep that in mind. Another consequence that I know people have suffered is loss of income. You quit your job because you're unhappy and you miss out on job opportunities while you're busy manifesting your dream job. Then there's the loss of self-confidence and self-esteem or depression that sets in because you fail at this. And now you see yourself as a failure because you can't do it. It's a real thing. Why can't I do this? Well, you can't do it because it isn't a real thing. And everything you've been told about it is based on nothing but anecdotal evidence. There is absolutely nothing that you can look at that provides concrete proof that this is a thing or that it works. So no, it wasn't you. If that's where you're at right now, I'm here to tell you. It wasn't your fault that it didn't work. It didn't work because it didn't work and because all the circumstances that had to be in place for it to work were not there. That's the reason why it didn't work. The manifestation mindset and the unwavering positivity that is required to make law of attraction work can have serious detrimental effects on how we view ourselves and the world around us. All emotions are valid and necessary if we want to live a balanced life. And even the less desirable things like anger, there is a place for anger. There's a place for every negative emotion out there. As long as they don't start overrunning your brain and overrunning your life, they have a place. They provide balance. So that's something that you need to keep in mind. Positivity and just positive thinking all by itself are not going to make your life better. They can enhance certain parts of your life. They can make certain problems easier to deal with. They can make problem solving a little bit easier, but they're not going to change anything and they're not going to govern what happens in your life. And here's another short quote from Emma Hawley. This is dangerous because it has a very real risk of invalidating people's emotional state and mental well-being. Negative feelings and low moods are valid, and they are real. You have to be able to acknowledge them first before you can have any hope of healing them. And then she goes all woo rific on us, but you know that particular thought I think mm-hmm. is spot on. Yeah. Suppressing emotions to the point of denying them any place in your thought life is dangerous. Early on in my therapy, when I was trying to get my anger under control, my therapist at the time did not tell me to suppress the anger. He also didn't tell me to confront it. You know what he told me to do? He told me to listen to it. And it was a concept that I had never been exposed to before. And it was not easy. As a matter of fact, it was one of the most difficult things that I've ever done. But one of the good parts about my involvement with Wicca was that this was happening at the same time that I was involved with that. So he used a lot of guided meditation with me because that's where my head was at the time. Mm -hmm. And he helped me to really seriously compartmentalize all the different parts of my personality, all the things that go on inside my head. And I had a visual picture of what my anger looked like. And over time, I learned that this thing wasn't the enemy. How I was dealing with it was the enemy. But the anger itself isn't, the enemy. Sometimes in constructive and controlled ways, anger is a very good thing. And it's something that we need to be able to tap into from time to time. But we need to be able to tap into it in ways that are productive. That's the real trick. And it starts by listening to ourselves and our emotions and understanding where certain thoughts come from, why certain things are so triggering, why certain circumstances seem to churn up the anger more violently and more prominently. And these were things that I started learning about me when I started listening to the anger, not suppressing it, not trying to drown it in positive thoughts, but almost in a mental health sort of way sitting down with it and having conversations with it. Why am I so angry at this moment in time? I would stop and I would think, is this situation or is this thing that I'm dwelling on right now worth the time and energy to dwell on? And will it change anything for me to be angry at this? And when I started asking the anger why it was there in the first place, it started running out of answers. But then also it had some very valid answers. So there's the other half of that. You've got to learn how to use it productively. And there are not a whole lot of people out there who are good at this. And that is where therapy comes in. Because I was terrible at it until Mm. somebody told me that this was a thing that I could do. Just have a conversation with that part of your psyche and figure it out a little bit more. And I'm still doing that. And I'm still figuring it out. And I haven't completely won the war with this, but I know that I've won a lot of battles since I started thinking about it this way. But right there to me is reason number one why the law of attraction is dangerous. It seriously fucks with your emotions. In fact, it holds any emotion that stands in the way of manifesting what you want hostage. You're not allowed to be sad, angry, scared, lonely, or generally unhappy because these things block the signal you send to the universe about what you want and what you need. So it has to be positive, 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 positive all the time. The next reason is the sheer level of paranoia and delusion that it instills in you. You stop being able to think rationally when your entire mind is governed by, I have to make my life good. Yeah. You know, I have to manifest these things inside my head and now they're not happening. Why? Why is this going wrong? You start panicking when things go wrong because clearly I'm attracting bad things. I'm attracting these bad things into my life. How? What's happening? What am I doing wrong here? And it all comes down on you. You start blaming yourself for every little negative thing that happens in life. You start blaming yourself when someone else cuts you off in the checkout line I don't know why they're there and I'm not. I was visualizing myself standing there just a minute ago. Um, you get stuck in traffic. You stub your toe. Any bad thing that happens, your first thought becomes, I'm manifesting this and I need to make it stop. Yeah. I'm drawing these things into my life. I have no idea how, but I know I'm doing it and I need to figure out how to make it stop right now. Oh, the pressure yeah. that that puts on your brain, the anxiety that it can create and just the, the sheer sense of helplessness when you don't understand why bad things are happening, because this is the way that you've been taught to think about them. You know, there's a lot of truth to the little phrase shit happens. Sometimes it just does. And it has nothing to do with you having a negative thought or yelling at somebody who cut you off in traffic. More bad things aren't happening to you because you had a moment of negativity bad things are happening because you're just sort of kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time today, dude. That's it. That is it. That is the sum total of the reason why these things are happening. And they'll also tell you that when bad things happen in rapid succession, that is indicative of your brain not being where it's supposed to be. Right. And the universe is trying to tell you, look, you need to steer this back in a positive direction. Bullshit. It's nothing but coincidence. Keep that in mind. That's the word of the night is coincidence. And that's what that is. We talk about things like Murphy's Law, that if something can go wrong, it probably will, especially if everything seems to be going right. I yeah. had a moment like this like less than a week ago. It's like everything is going really, really well with this. I'm wondering when the fucking is gonna happen. You know, it, it, that moment uh, when There it is. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that moment when it all just falls apart. Yeah. And then it didn't. And you know what? I wasn't manifesting anything. It just so happened that these circumstances lined up that way at this point in time. And certain things in my life that can be sources of stress weren't all that stressful. And, you know, I sat there all day waiting for the other shoe to fall and it never did. So bonus, great day. Yeah. but it had nothing to do with me manifesting a good day. It had everything to do with the fact that that was the way the day was going to pan out when I got out of bed that morning. That was it. But when you're in the thick of this and your brain is just trained to think in terms of the law of attraction, everything, everything suddenly means something. There's a reason why you dropped your toast butter butterside down. Um, There's a reason why you stepped in dog poo. There's a reason why that light turned red as you were approaching it, even though you know you were visualizing it staying green. And yes, there are reasons for all of these things, but none of them have to do with what you're thinking at that moment. The toast dropped because gravity, okay? It dropped butter side down because it had a 50-50 chance of not. That's why. One and two are very good odds. Yeah. Okay? So the odds were not in your favor, and it fell butterside down. It sucks. I've been there. You stepped in dog poo because you probably weren't watching where you were going or looking where you were supposed to be looking at that moment in time, but it had nothing to do with any negative thought that you were having at the moment. Yes, the light turned red as you were approaching it because... As a driving instructor, let me tell you a little bit about something called a stale green, a light that you didn't see the last time it was red. So you approach a light when it's green, you should not be visualizing it staying green just for you. You right. should be expecting that light to turn red. So it turned red because it was already green for a while. Yeah, That's why it turned red. Not because you had a negative thought and the universe said, fuck you. No, <laughs> that's not what happened at all. The next danger with all of this, the next huge danger with all of this, is in the way many people who trust law of attraction start neglecting things, particularly their health. In the movie The Secret, the commentators cover their tracks with this one by affirming that seeing a doctor for health problems is necessary, but then they turn it around and say that whether or not you ever get well is actually up to you. Doesn't that sound familiar? I mean, that was the whole thing. I told this story once before about how I was being prayed over Mm -hmm. for the issues with my feet and somebody telling me that I should expect the surgical staples that were in my ankle to just basically pop out and I would be able to fish them out of my sock if I had enough faith to make this happen. And when it didn't happen, this arrogant cuss had the nerve to look me in the eye and say, If you want your healing, then you need to start manifesting a healing. This didn't happen because you lack faith. And that was the way that it was left with me. So that's the evangelical version of this. Mm. But the secularized law of attraction angle to it is just as detrimental and just as devastating to the way that you think about yourself. I think about the one line in the movie. I don't remember which of these yahoos was the one that said it, but talking about when you're sick... And definitely giving the caveat that you should be under a doctor's care, but that you should focus on being well and let the doctors deal with what's wrong with you. I love how he kept calling it dis-ease and not disease, dis-ease, like it's not that big a deal that you don't have to worry about this. Let the doctor deal with the dis-ease and you deal with positive confession and telling yourself that you are already healed of this and that your body is whole and that your health is strong and all of that stuff that will get you no closer to actually being well. But that was just one example. They did did cover their legal asses. I'm guessing that the lawyers (laughs) stepped in and said, okay, we need to at least have something in here that tells them not to stop seeing their doctors because that will cause us problems later on, not that they really care what the actual result is for the individual, but when you start looking at it in terms of dollars and cents and something high profile happening where you get sued because you said "Do this, somebody did it, and they died, yeah you know that uh, you, you can't have that, so of course, there's going to be that little caveat about, okay, yeah, but still go to your doctor but you're the one that's going to make yourself well. It comes right back to it. What happens when someone decides to go off their chemo or dialysis or prescription drugs because they believe that they can cure whatever ails them by visualizing being cured? Well, we know what happens. They go off their meds and set themselves years back in therapy. They go off their meds and self-harm or harm others, both physically and emotionally. They decline life-saving treatments and therapies because I'm feeling better every day. I don't have cancer. I don't need a new kidney. My kidneys are healthy. My heart is healthy. Actually, those last two are the only ones that would actually work because the others have negatives in them. See that? Yeah. I can't make myself think this way if I even wanted to. Fortunately, the people who tout the law of attraction do in fact stop short of encouraging self-harm. But that messaging is almost always implied more than it is stated plainly. Rhonda Byrne isn't about to sit there and say, smoke like a chimney, you will not get cancer unless you tell the universe you want it, or experiment with all the illicit drugs you want. Really experience what life has to offer. You won't die, you won't overdose. Simply tell your body that it can manage one more line of blow and enjoy your ride. She's not gonna get out there and say that. But I remain convinced That it's only true that she wouldn't say something like that because the lawyers kind of forced them to take those parts out or they were just a little bit too extreme. But if we're going to have balance to the messaging here, then those things would have to be part of the equation. We're basically supposed to tell ourselves that we are invincible, we are far from just mortals, we have an infinite. Existence to explore. They go so far as to posit that we don't remember our beginnings because we never had a true beginning. It has nothing to do with the fact that we come out with a blank brain that doesn't understand all the stimuli that's going on around it. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the fact that we are eternal beings with no beginning and no end. No, we had a beginning and we're going to have an end. I hate to be so blunt, but the simple truth of the matter is that we did have a distinct beginning and we will have a distinct end. The fact that we don't remember everything back to being a zygote does not (laughs) mean that we are immortal beings. Sorry, sorry, but that's just not the way that it works. But here's the thing, if I'm basically immortal and I can wish cancer out of my life, why can't I simply tell my body not to overdose? You see where this can go? Mm -hmm. Because they're not gonna come right out and say it but there will be people who think it because they've been taught to think this way about themselves. Why not jump off a cliff and simply visualize bouncing like a Super Bowl? They won't tell you to do that either, partly for legal reasons, but in larger part because they flat out know that they're full of shit. Oh yeah, That's it more than anything else. One more huge danger inherent in law of attraction is a little thing called survivorship bias. This is the part where you hear a person's story of success against insurmountable odds or by means of raw perseverance or visualization and so on, after which they go on to posit that anyone can accomplish what they did. This was a big thing in MLM. This was like every Amway speaker that I ever heard. We're going to tell you how we went diamond and how you can too. Uh, Am I the only one who noticed that they never ever got around to that second part, Mm. it's all just a matter of we did this and there's nothing special about us. That means you can too. The problem is that nothing could be further from the truth. The timing and opportunity that one person experiences that leads to success will not de facto lead anyone who applies the same formula to their situation to similar successes. Let's look at one prime example involving lottery tickets. And this is not my idea. I got it from an article in Quora and there is a uh, there's a link to it, but I just want to pull this up so I don't get it wrong. Let's see. Where's the, where's the meme here? Okay, here it is. Never stop buying lottery tickets no matter what anyone tells you. I failed again and again, but I never gave up. I took extra jobs and poured the money into tickets. And here I am, proof that if you put in the time, it pays off. Because apparently... They finally hit big on a lottery ticket. My question is, how much did you win and how much did you spend before you made it? Yeah. You know? Did you come out ahead? Did you break even? Or are you still catching up? Mm. That's the real question. I could sit here and talk about statistics when it comes to scratch tickets and the lottery and all of this other stuff. And the astronomical odds that exist in terms of you winning anything significant On a lottery ticket, but you know, I don't want to spend the time going through all the facts and figures, and you're not that interested in it anyway, so we're not going to go there. But just think about what is being said here. Look at what I accomplished, and you can accomplish the same thing, but at what cost? And there's no guarantee that you'll be successful. Remember that little disclaimer that they put at the end of every tape oh, yeah. that we bought when mm. we were in Amway? I, I don't remember what the exact wording was, but basically it said that uh, the techniques and approaches suggested, I think this is close, while the techniques and approaches suggested have worked for others, no one can guarantee that these techniques and approaches will work for you. Yep. Um, and then there was a little bit more to it than that, but you know they, they put the disclaimer on there so that they could cover their asses when things completely shit the bed with the business for you. Oh, yeah. Well, we told you that you probably wouldn't be able to expect the same results or that it's possible that you won't get the same results. Right. So they made sure that they put their little disclaimer at the end on every one of those tapes. But the messaging in those tapes was exactly the same as this. Mm. And when you listen to the people who were paid to participate in The Secret, you hear a lot of this stuff about how I did this and you can do it too. Not so much the bigwigs that they got to sit on the panel, but in other parts of the movie where they actually put you in front of more quote unquote regular people. There was a lot of this. And survivorship bias is not something that you want to be banking anything on. There was a part in The Secret about someone who claimed that they were able to laugh their way out of cancer. Yeah. By watching funny movies and just laughing, 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 laughing. And this is kind of a subsection of law of attraction. There are groups out there that exist for the express purpose of getting together and laughing their ailments away. Yeah. So this is a thing that people do. And it starts with someone in a movie saying, I did this, so there's no reason why you can't. And well, there are many, many, many reasons why you can't because their circumstances are not going to be the same as yours. You are not going to get the same scratch-off tickets and then eventually hit on the same ticket in the same sequence in the same way. So no, you cannot do what that person did. It is a statistical impossibility that you will do what that person did. And with all due respect, I know people who have spent years addicted to those fucking lottery tickets Oh yeah, and died penniless because they never got that break. And probably some of them bought more than this person telling me that all I have to do is follow their example and eventually it's going to happen for me. Well, there's no guarantee that that that's ever going to happen for you. And it doesn't matter what anecdotal evidence anyone wants to provide you about what their experience was. That was their experience. And it is not likely to be yours. You know, I really feel like I'd have more respect for these people if they just came right out and said, I know a surefire way to get anyone you ask to give you money. And for just $20 over Venmo, I'll show you precisely how. Yeah. Well, they just showed you, didn't they? Yeah. That was how. And there's a lot of that that goes on too. It's amazing to me how many Mm -hmm. of these scams there are out there and how many people are willing to just send this person 20 bucks for their major secret. Well, the secret is I just got you to send me 20 bucks. So now you know my game. Now you can go out and play it yourself. They delivered on what they promised, didn't they? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of underhanded, but they did.
1: Yeah. I have been in like online classes with These people who say, you know, I'll show you how to make money and all this stuff and, you know, we'll show you how to be successful. Usually they'll give you, like, a link for, like, a free seminar or something like that. Right. And I'm like, they're teaching you how to do exactly what they do. Yep. And that's, like, all of these people. They're telling you how to basically teach the law of attraction and make
0: money doing it. Not by actually using it and manifesting anything, by simply touting all this shit. Yes. And I'll admit that when I was in my early copywriting days, I had a couple of clients who hired me to write LOA copy. And, you know, I was actually really good at it. Mm -hmm. But even then, there was this part of me that started thinking, you know, all we're really doing here is selling information. We're not showing them that they can do X, Y, or Z. We're just showing them how to do it and kissing it up to God. That's what our purpose is here. So yeah, exact same thing. It's the kind of underhanded grift that anyone who believes in this would be able to look at and say, dude, never thought of that. Because now all all of a sudden they have their way of quote unquote manifesting this. But here's the problem. It took more than a thought, didn't it? You had to reach out to that person that you scammed, didn't you? Mm -hmm. So it didn't have just to do with you visualizing getting that $20. You fucking scammed that person out of it, and that's how you got it. Mm -hmm. Now, if you need any further proof that this entire concept is just nutsy cuckoo, all you have to do is look at the lineup of experts that Rhonda Byrne assembled for the movie version of The Secret It looks comical to me now. I mean, I looked up to some of these people, especially John Assaraf. I liked him a lot. But it looks comical to me. Just the band of rabble (laughs) that they assembled for this. These silver-tongued charlatans, all of them are just nothing but self-proclaimed experts. You had Bob Proctor, who was and is a Canadian self-help guru. You had John Vital, who is a spiritist and energy healer. John Assaraf, who is a prosperity guru. You have Laurel Langemeyer, who is a self-proclaimed money expert. Marie Diamond, who is a feng shui master. Yeah. These are the people that have been assembled to help you learn how to govern your thoughts and get the things that you want. Michael Bernard Beckwith, founder of the Agape Movement, so there's the theistic angle. Yeah. And his quote-unquote church is very, very, very trippy-dippy. Oh, boy. And it is an all-encompassing sort of thing, kind of like Yu with a lot of mystical mumbo-jumbo and woo. Yeah. Then you've got Neil Donald Walsh. I keep wanting to say Neil Diamond, but no, it's Neil Donald Walsh, author of the Conversations with God series, actor, there's your first clue, Sherlock screenwriter and speaker. And then last but not least, I'm sure that there are people out there that know this one, Jack Canfield. He calls himself a transformational speaker and is also the founder of Chicken Soup for the Soul. One thing I found real interesting here, not an MD or PhD in the bunch, just a whole lot of OMG, WTF, and SMH. Mm. But nothing that would lead me to believe that these people have any information that they could impart to me that would make any difference in my life whatsoever. Back then, they certainly did. But looking at it now, it's just, it looks like, I mean, I don't even know what the descriptor is for this, but it looks very circusy. Maybe that's a good adjective. (laughs) It looks kind of circusy. Yeah. The book version of The Secret reads like a condensed or just succinctly put version of every other self-help book out there. It can be read in a matter of an hour or two. It's very, very, very short. But Byrne manages to spend the first ninety-four pages setting up the con before delving into topics like the secret to money, the secret to relationships, the secret to health. And isn't that like the self-help trifecta right there? Yeah. And then it gets a little bit more wooey, if it could possibly get more wooey. We get into the secret of the world, the secret to you, and the secret to life. Yes. Isn't the answer to all of those last 342?
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: Yeah. The answer to the question of life, the universe, and everything. Right. So Douglas Adams fans, you know what I'm talking about. And I look at that list of bullet points, and what I see is a roadmap for most of Joel Osteen's books. If you listen back to the titles of his books or look them up, there is so much of what's in that short list of chapter titles from The Secret that show up in the titles and also in the content of his books. His messaging is more subtle. Well, to the extent that he's not coming right out and saying certain toxic things that are in this book, Um, Maybe he does. I haven't read all of his books. Maybe he gets that messaging just sort of slid in there under the radar. But by and large, the messaging is a little bit more subtle. But in a reboot of The Secret, it would not surprise me if he was on that panel spouting the same platitudes with different nouns and verbs as the people who were in the original. The messaging between the secular secret and the Christian Word of Faith prosperity doctrine are similar to the point of interchangeability with the manipulation of a noun here and there, depending on whether you want to talk about God or the universe. They mean the exact same thing. And in the movie, they even say that these two things mean the exact same thing. God is the universe and the universe is God. Right. And of course there is the whole word faith tie in with this that I'm not going to get too far into because we understand what prosperity doctrine is. We right. understand what name it and claim it is all about. And the funny thing is that I was always taught to sh- to shy away from word faith preachers right. because of this sort of thing. But the thinking still made its way into the pews rather nicely. It's just that when it's not all in this one chunk, it's easier to slip in under the radar. And I don't think that any pastor out there is doing this on purpose, but they're doing it. That's where that whole business of you didn't get healed because you didn't manifest your healing came from. Okay. It's this kind of thinking, but they just don't call it that. Right. And I think that a lot of evangelicals, more often ex-evangelicals, fall prey to law of attraction because it fits so neatly with what they've been taught and thoughts that are already in their head. That was me in a nutshell, I think, because when when I saw this presented to me this way, I looked at a lot of different things in my life and it just made sense. Right. Because when you look at it from a certain point of view, I was manifesting a lot of things. I've done some pretty interesting things with my life. And I feel like I have definitely manifested certain things, but I've manifested them by going after them, not by sitting around and thinking about it and waiting for a phone to ring, offering me a job at a store I'd like to work at. No, I got that job because I was in the store all the time and the manager liked me. That was why I got that job. I wasn't sitting on my ass at home waiting for the store to call me for an interview. But we're conditioned to think this way as evangelicals, whether or not our pastors tell us to steer clear of word faith or not. The thinking is still in there. And most of those concepts do make it into a sermon here and there. Yeah, It it just does. So here's a question. Are there any positives to any of this? It might surprise you to learn that there are. There's an article on lifehack.org, and I'm not going to read through this word for word but you can take a look at the article at your leisure. But they do actually spin this in a way that makes a little bit more sense. Positive thinking absolutely is a good thing. And it says in the article that there is considerable evidence that having a positive, optimistic, can-do frame of mind will lead to much better outcomes in many circumstances than having a negative, pessimistic, or cynical approach. And that just, to me, that's just common sense. Right. If you're constantly... Telling yourself that you can't do something, then it's going to turn into what we call a self fulfilling prophecy. And in this instance, prophecy is not a spiritual thing, it's an emotional and psychological thing. Focus, goal setting, and planning all like th- these things are vital. You know, we're at a transition point with our lives and what I'm doing for work. Right. So, the opportunity has arisen for the spider to purchase a local driving school. Mm -hmm. And I'm in the process of doing that. But as part of that process, I'm negotiating and asking questions and looking up information about this business so that I know that I'm not about to buy something that's already tanking, you know, that sort of thing. I know what my goals are for the business a year from now, three years from now, five years from now, I know where I want it to be. And I have plans that I think are going to, uh, that are going to get me a lot closer to where that school's potential is. I don't think that the school right now is operating up to its potential. And I'm thinking about this and having goals and objectives is vital to success in business. You have to have goals and objectives. So these concepts come up in the law of attraction and they're true, but they get skewed Right. and they get oversimplified. Visualization, oh yeah, visualization is a great thing until you start blaming yourself when things go pear-shaped. You can visualize all you want and having a clear vision of what you want. I have a clear vision of what I want for this driving school. Right. But over time, the details I'm certain are going to change because circumstance will allow this but won't allow that. Right. In law of attraction terms, if you visualize something and that thing doesn't happen the way that you visualize it, you failed. Bullshit. You just have to realign what your vision is around what you know is a possible outcome. That's the difference between real world visualization and what they teach in LOA. Self belief, oh, yeah, no, if I didn't think that I was ready for this and that I was capable and that I could really do a good job as an owner, I wouldn't be getting into this. Self belief is absolutely necessary when you are taking on a new venture, or just trying to achieve something in your work right now. Aspiring to be better at anything, whether it's work or something that you do for fun, maybe you just want to become a better guitar player. You have to believe that you're capable of learning new chords and learning how to manipulate those strings in ways that you don't know how to do right now. You have to believe and your ability to understand this instrument if you're going to play it better. So yeah, self-belief is important, but it doesn't begin and end with making a confession of self-belief, which is what law of attraction tells you should work. And then there's the whole attitude of gratitude aspect of things, which is big in law of attraction. It was very big in Wicca also. Mm -hmm. And I have found that being grateful for the things that I have and not dwelling on the things that I don't mm. is very, very good for the old psyche. Yeah. you know, Just like Cheryl Crow says, it's not having what you want, it's wanting what you've got. Right. And it's very, very important that we reach a point where we understand that we need to be thankful for the things that we have and not dwelling on the things that we don't have. If there are things that we want, there are ways of going about getting them within reason and within certain boundaries. There are ways of going about getting the things that we want, but it starts, I believe, with being satisfied with what you have yeah. and just coming to the the realization that I can be happy with what I have and where I am right now. I don't need these things, but there's nothing wrong with working toward them either. Right. So that's 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 their short list, and you can look at the way that they spin in a little bit on your own if you want to take a look at the article, but I'm going to move on just a little bit. And we're in the wind down part of this at this point. And just one more little note about that that little list of uh, bullet points. The thing is... That for any of those things to be of any real benefit, you also have to acknowledge the slew of variables that come along with almost every situation we face in life. You cannot simply visualize something in your mind and expect the universe to plaster it into reality, and you can't laugh your cancer away by watching funny movies and staying positive. You cannot. My last thought on this is that LOA actually teaches you to think small, not big. You're expected to live your life situationally, not looking too far down the road other than to visualize your ultimate goals with no clear picture of how to get there. Having a realistic view of things reminds us that we play a bigger role in our successes, failures, relationships, health, and more than just what we think about them. We need to participate actively in the process, not just make a wish and sit there. Change and success require way more than that. Change and success require action. You have to do something. They require commitment, just like when you're starting a new business. You know, you have to be married to it for the first couple of years. You have to be very hands on about how you go about your business and how much time you're spending on it and how much you do to make sure that it stays successful. It takes commitment. The change and success that you want take commitment. Change and success also require effort. You have to do something. You have to get off your ass and do something. Change and success require being okay with failing because I'm not going to start spouting platitudes about this, but I do remember one little saying that, um, that I think encapsulates this well. I'm paraphrasing like crazy here but it basically says that the most successful people out there have experienced failure more often than most people ever will. And it's being okay with the concept of failure that's going to ultimately push you toward the things that you want, the goals that you set in your life, being okay with failing and learning from the ways that you stumble. Very, very important. Change and success require sacrifice. You will need to sacrifice a little bit of time. You'll need to drag yourself out of your comfort zone just a little bit to make certain things happen. But at the end of the day, it's all worth it. A little bit of sacrifice so that you can enjoy certain other things that you want. That to me is a reasonable and logical trade-off as opposed to just trying to think shit into existence. Change and success require a desire for real and lasting change. That was the place where I was at when I got into therapy and started with aggressive weight loss. I was ready right. and I had a desire for real and lasting change. And I think that I've been successful in my therapy. It's ongoing. I don't think it's ever going to actually stop right. or I don't, I don't think I'll ever reach a place where I don't need it. But enough things have changed about me for me to say that it's been successful so far. And I know that my weight loss was successful. And that was, um, that was a big one, but these things happened when I was ready and when I had the desire for them, not because I sat there visualizing being thin and believe me, I did a bit of that when I was in the thick of all this change and success require opportunity. This whole thing with the driving school almost literally fell in my lap. I was interested in it, but not looking actively for it. And then all of a sudden, boom, just happened. And that's one of those serendipitous kinds of things that, someone on the law of attraction end of it would, ha- would say, well, you must have manifested it because you were already thinking about it. No, thinking about it didn't make it happen. Someone approaching me and saying, hey, you want to buy this school? That's what happened. That's what made it happen. Change and success require preparedness. If I was not prepared for this undertaking, then it wouldn't matter if someone just walked up to me and said, hey, you want to buy a driving school? It wouldn't have mattered. If I wasn't in the place where I was ready to take on the responsibility. Change and success require having reachable goals. Don't set the bar too high just because you think that you can impress yourself with what you can manifest. Impress yourself with what you can achieve. It's much, much more fulfilling than just sitting around and waiting for life to happen. Change and success require leaving your comfort zone once in a while. We talked about that concept just a minute ago. Change and success require not feeding your mind thoughts of entitlements. No one, not even the universe, owes you jack-q shit. Anything that you have or get in life, you're going to get on your own or with the help of other people, and that's where gratitude comes into play in a major way, when it's other people that help you get there. But no one owes you anything. And the universe doesn't owe you anything, so get those thoughts out of your head. That's entitlement thinking, and it's only going to lead you to feeling more like a failure and more like you need things in your life that you don't really actually need. And finally, change and success require different definitions in different contexts. Don't let anyone convince you that you want things that you don't simply because they're things that are out of your reach. If you didn't want it yesterday, you shouldn't start coveting things because some self-help guru told you that you should. Pursue the life that you want. Do things that make you happy or lead to happiness, stability, and contentment. Note I said, do things, not think them. And as a final note, please keep this in mind. Change and success do not come from visualizing things or denying the negatives in life. They don't come from only thinking happy thoughts. And yes, I'm sorry to break it to you, but there are plenty of things in life that are beyond your control. And the sooner you get around to understanding that, the more you'll learn about things like personal responsibility, your real abilities, and the need to set reachable goals, and developing good problem-solving skills. Because those are the things that set in motion thought processes and actions that lead to getting and staying unbound. enjoyed this episode of Unbound, show topics are chosen based on their timeliness, relevance, and social impact. Have suggestions for future topics? Email us at unbound.podcast.network at gmail.com with all your comments and feedback. Please don't forget to like, share, and throw a few five-star ratings our way, and follow us on all major social platforms. And don't forget to hit subscribe if you haven't already. Links to our social pages, as well as a full list of cited sources in today's episode are listed in the show notes, available at our website, getunbound.org. That's get-unbound.org. If you value this resource and would like to see it continue, please consider supporting us on Patreon at the link in the show description. And be sure to check for new updates every Sunday when we'll come together again and take one more step toward getting and staying unbound.